0: Oh my goodness, I love your new system. It's so easy to use and pre-populates nearly everything. I wish all the lenders' systems were like this. How would you like your customers to get feedback like that from your PowerPortals applications? Welcome to the Amazing Apps Show for Microsoft business applications creators who want to make amazing, agile, Dynamics 365 and power platform applications that everyone will love. This is Amazing Applications. Welcome back. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Benson. Thanks for downloading another episode. We've got lots to cover with my special guest, Bruce Sattoli. Bruce is the founder of 365 Mechanics in Sydney, Australia. He's also a Microsoft Business Applications MVP and a Microsoft Fast Track recognized solution architect. Bruce's team has built a power portal for a business-to-business lender and got some great feedback from his customer's customer. You'll find show notes for this episode at AmazingApps.show/102. Let's meet Bruce and find out more about his amazing applications story. Bruce, welcome to the Amazing Applications podcast. It's great to have you on the show, finally.
1: Hey, Neil. It's uh, good to be on you after a few uh, false starts.
0: <laughs> I appreciate you making some time for us. I'd love it if you could you know, just take a moment to introduce yourself for the audience. You and I worked together back in the glory days at KPMG Australia. Let us know what you're up to now and what your background is in Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform.
1: So uh, Bruce Citole, my name started uh, way back with CRM 3 and version 4 back in New Zealand. So kind of just jumped into that as, you know, looking for a job. So just (laughs) whoever would hire and it happened to be Dynamics. And as we all know, with Dynamics, it's never just CRM as it was, it's always like SharePoint or external bits and pieces. So kind of got to play with all the business application suites, various roles, functional, technical, whatever hat I needed to wear on a particular day. Um, Yeah, then moved to Australia, went with a couple of partners as well as going customer side, which um, is also great. It was a great experience, you know, being on the customer end. Then obviously, yeah, you and I, Neil, worked um, together at KPMG. And since then, set up our own consultancy firm, 365 Mechanics, originally from Zimbabwe, but grew up in Botswana and South Africa. And uh, yeah, Australia is home now, so... (laughs)
0: Good for you. So what were you doing before your career in Dynamics 365?
1: I'd completed my university degree and I was complementing it with a business diploma. And to be honest, I was essentially just looking for work. So I was actually doing a bit of sales. I was selling timesheets. Not timesheets, (laughs) timeshares. You know, those timeshare apartments for Gold Coast, but from New Zealand. So (laughs) it was all (laughs) commission-based and pretty brutal, but yeah, earned my stripes then.
0: Wow. Yeah. 365 Mechanics, that's that's your own business. It's been going a couple of years now. It seems to be growing really quickly. I see posts on LinkedIn fairly regularly as you welcome new team members on board.
1: My yeah, team. so it's bootstrapped, so self-funded and started about two and a half, three years ago. It's all a blur. And yeah, we're a team of 14 now and typically focusing in the industry we naturally fell into was financial services and not-for-profits and
0: Two opposite ends of the spectrum lots of profits and not very much profits at all.
1: Exactly, it's kind of like how did this happen? But to be honest, the financial services feed the not for profits, so you get the same. So, we focus obviously on the business application space and just trying to, I guess, take a different approach. And you know, being our size, knowing what lane we kind of stay into, but also seeing. What I liked and didn't like when that previous partners or all on customer side. So, you know, as everyone thinks, they can do it better or can change things. So I was like, oh, <laughs> let's go have a look. So thankfully, really things are going well.
0: I've flip-flopped between running my own business and working for somebody else. It's exhilarating and fun running your own business, but you've got to stay on your toes. Yeah, on and it's toes. not easy,
1: I'll tell you that. It's not all glamour. Like a, yeah. people only tell you the good things, but not, not the hard and long kind of nights.
0: So is 365 Mechanics a systems integration business, or is it an ISV partner building your own software products? Mechanics. I'd
1: say system, or SI, system integrators primarily, but we're also working on a few IP and ISV solutions, which are starting to get a little bit of traction, so hopefully to kind of build on that, so it's, it's, we're trying to do the continuous loop, you know, so we'll plug in our ISV or IP, that will bring out a project, a bit of implementation, localization, and the circle of life kind of keeps going on.
0: Yeah, that's good. If you can diversify your income streams between pure consultancy work and a bit of software license revenue as well. License yeah, that revenue recurring well.
1: revenue is like golden egg, where you can just sit back and it just keeps uh, dripping. This is obviously where it's the bread and butter currently. And with the current climate, with COVID, there's a lot of shortage of skilled consultants well in sydney primarily you know
0: and you've been awarded the fast track recognized solution architect recognition recently what was that process like
1: it, it picked process and it came about through i guess with some of the customers we had been working with where they were like bruce you know you guys and you specifically are actually really good like we've worked with other architects and so forth and you know this stuff you're doing with us is really great. And sometimes IT consultants are a little bit would downplay our skill sets. We're like, no, nah, yeah, it's okay. I'm, you know, but they're like, no, no, you should really look. And they kind of got this conversation going with Microsoft too. And then the nomination process came right. through, but then even going through that was a grueling interviews where some of these top guns from Microsoft, where they review the architecture of some of the solutions of the project you're putting forward. And um, even then they ask you questions where there's no there's two right solutions. So like, it's like, you did this and like, okay, why didn't you do that? <laughs> oh, and, and you got to just, like, hey, my interest is cutting, sorry, I can't talk. But um you're just talking through those options, you know? So it's like, yeah, being reviewed and having to improve yourself. But then, uh, yeah, then just quiet for a few weeks after that and then, Got the notification from James Phillips, and that was pretty exciting. You get a whole cool uh, box of swag, too. Pretty awesome. Unfortunately, obviously, with COVID, they couldn't do as many of the things and uh, wow. other benefits like that. But, uh, yeah, no, so far, it's great.
0: That's quite different from the MVP award, which is about community contributions and thought leadership, where there's no real technical standard that an MVP needs to meet. The Track recognized solution architect you don't have to do anything in the community, you just have to be a really awesome architect from a technical perspective. So there's a technical standard that Microsoft is examining that you have to meet. So yeah, so two very different awards, and you're one of the very few people I know who holds both.
1: Yes, yeah, it was humbling, uh, to be honest, And, and but also, yeah, on, on reflection, it's a little bit trying to take all the kudos or not take it. It's like grateful, but yeah, it was again, a mix of the customer success and also the right support team and also just dedication to the course, right? Been uh, in the trenches for a while with this kind of platform. And it's, it's weird. Like it's now that I'm the grown-up. you know, like I know even like before you'd be like, (laughs) oh, look at these people with all this and all these, you know, like these Kind of look up to, and then still look. I still look up to them, but then now it's now people like tapping me too now, saying, "Hey, how would you do this?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, really?" But
0: every yeah. recognition you get, Bruce, is well deserved. It was a pleasure working with you, and in fact, we're we're still working together a little bit on another client project, and I look forward to more of those in the future as well. Likewise, the the fast track recognized solution architect swag, I have to say, is better. I've seen lots of MVPs posting those little glass rings and stuff that they get, but you know, the fast track recognized solution architects, there's a jacket, there's, I think there's a rucksack. If somebody was going to say to you, Bruce, you can only have one of the awards, would you rather have the fast track recognized solution architect or the most valuable professional?
1: Neil, Neil, you're putting me on the spot here. Only right now, I'd say maybe the fast track architect award just for the, just based on the numbers, I guess. Right. But,
0: do you think it's more impactful for your business? It's helping you get recognition and build credibility. that helps you in a client engagement.
1: To be honest, not as, not not a hundred percent yet. Like maybe maybe, um, but the MVP program, for example, I love the community and all the connections there, and that's a lot more tightly like knit that rather than the fast track. Because even then, I asked the team, "Cool, how do we engage?" And they're like, "No, no, we'll talk to you." In, in <laughs> oh, okay. So no, not as in, in um, engaging in, in that sense, but also still, i um, obviously access to the product team and I'll try with all my strengths to hold on to both, but uh,
0: yeah. Good. So the, the Fast Track is a annual award, so you have to be recognized each year. You have to go back in front of that panel and justify your existence.
1: Exactly. Like I didn't realize that part either. I was like, okay. So, we, you know, and this, and that's where also like a bit of a struggle on my end, you know, like trying to do three tracks, the MVP, Fast Track solution Architect and run a business and family too.
0: So you think that running a bigger business is going to get any easier?
1: Well, that's the dream. That's what I keep telling myself. (laughs) It'll get better, surely.
0: Good luck. I just hope you can hire an operations director or a CEO to run it for you.
1: Yeah, that's what I've been thinking about, actually. You know, it's like on a Sunday night, they're back at it again. But it, it's been easy with a motivation when you're doing it for your own. And like, it's different doing on in the trenches and you're doing it for another partner. And you're like, why am I doing 16 hours for a pat on the back or something? In terms of the future, I'm not 100% certain on where we'll go. but
0: I love to invite Microsoft partners and customers onto the show to discuss an amazing application that they've built for one of their customers. And just coincidentally, I noticed on your LinkedIn feed a little while ago, you got some great kudos from a customer who said, and I'm going to quote this one, OMG, I love your new system. It's so easy to use and it pre-populates nearly everything. I wish all the lenders systems were like this. So presumably that's a lending application you've built for someone in the financial services sector. I just wonder what it's like. What goes through your mind when you're designing and building and assembling a team and working with a client to build, you know, a really impactful business application?
1: Sure, I'll I'll touch on, on both of them a little bit. So the LinkedIn post you're referring to, that was a solution based on dynamics portals for a financial services company, we'll call them. Good time loans for now the company that's been around a while you know they've bought other companies too previously and was just essentially being disrupted right they were the top dogs a while back and you know the market changes be it you know with things like afterpay coming in around and you know everyone wants to do fintech and open banking and all these wonderful terminologies and platforms so what we i guess. Looked at for this particular release, we just recently did was their customer's experience, right? They don't necessarily go direct to their customers for these loans, they go through a, a channel network. So it's obviously quite competitive, and everyone else will be offering similar services. So customers are like, Well, who should I be using? You know, where should I give my customer to? So, what we wanted was a process that was quick and easy for them to submit these applications with good time loans. And because they obviously use Dynamics 365 sales internally, so they run their opportunity pipelines in there, it made sense for us to look at portals to provide that as the external capability for um, the customers to submit these applications, but also wanted to make it as slick as possible. And so investigated some of the web services available in Australia here for pre-population. So you could type in, for example, an ABN, which is an Australian business number, which is what all companies have to have if you're a legal entity or registered. And that, for, for example, confirms when you were registered, if you're still valid, your entity type, if you're a trust, if you're a company or a sole trader. But it also behind the scenes, it also has key information about who the people are on the company, like who the directors are, their date of birth and the company address. So you can imagine if you just plug in one thing that there returns so much information and it's all kind of pre-populated. So you're just going next, just, you just confirming the details, allowing you to change information if you need to. But it was a a big effort because obviously there's still an existing platform or existing system in place. So, you know, rolling this out without disrupting the internal processes. And yeah, that went live this past Thursday night, <laughs> and then that kind of feedback came straight back, not obviously to us directly, but to our customer, and then who forwarded that feedback to us too. It was great validation on on the focus and the solution. We went through processes. We're getting like a focus group too, getting early feedback and iterative too. So we were like, let's deploy rather quickly, get early feedback, and you know, start with a small group before scaling it out. So right now, this is only available to the existing customers who had access to an older, different portal. And so this week it's just been making sure all the kinks are, are sorted out and so far it's been great. And then yeah, there'll be a mass marketing exercise going out in the next few days to onboard more customers for them. So, which then brings more, you know, like the challenge there is around ongoing support and things like that. And, you know, then our releases have to be more careful. Microsoft's releases need to be a bit more mindful of externals too. So yeah, good times.
0: You mentioned a couple of things there that really intrigued me. First of all, there was a Thursday night release. I worked for an investment manager in London many, many years ago, and they launched everything into production on a Thursday night, and they selected Thursday's very deliberately because if anything went wrong and there was an issue, then on Friday all the people in the business and all the people in IT were available to fix it. And just as they were heading into the weekend, there was less customer activity on their platforms. So that was much better than doing things on a Friday night when (laughs) I remember the DBAs were always in the pub. And if things went wrong, uh, we were heading into the weekend, nobody's available to help fix it. So yeah, dragging people into the office at the weekend was was always a bad idea. So was that a deliberate choice on your customer's part to, to do releases on a Thursday evening?
1: Yeah, similar, similar kind of approach where we'll get a a bit of live production validation and testing and uh, yeah, buckle up if we need to on the weekend. But then coincidentally, last Thursday, there was like, no, they were like, this is actually going to be our busiest day. So I'm like, oh, okay, that wasn't part of the plan, but we had to roll with it. So yeah, that's a 100% good approach on what you just said there for those exact same reasons. Yeah,
0: and then releasing iteratively, I guess if you're deploying a portal, you can select some customers to be able to log into your new portal and that's quite a good way of controlling who's got access. I wish there was an easier way for us either in Power Apps or Dynamics 365 apps to be able to control the rollout of new features. That'd be great. I wish we had a feature flag that said, I only want users with a certain security role or in a certain business unit to be able to use this new feature. I think that would require probably quite a lot of engineering effort on Microsoft's part, but you know, I wish that was easier in our applications.
1: Yeah, no, I agree there, like the usual tricks we do is if it's tables, let's just release it in the background, no security role, you know, we start like the integration and just monitor. So we're having production information going to production, but no one's done the wiser. So for example, we, you know, integrated with Oracle and all the invoices in ERP, but then, then you turn on the lights. But yeah, to your point, you know, with portals and stuff like that, all other features, it's a bit harder to be that granular to govern that access
0: you mentioned the customer experience is what they're trying to achieve was that the feedback that you got was was that from one of your customers customers or was that internally within your from your customer itself
1: the feedback was on from our customers customers you know so you know that that actual you know the actual end person users who use the portals and to be honest the first time you know, they see portals it's like can we change this <laughs> like you know in terms of like the the, the look and feel so we we also spent a lot of time on that, the change of the CSS and some of the navigation, a lot of it try to do as little custom coding as possible, obviously for maintainability. And, you know, when we leave the customer and hand it over to the internal teams, but yeah, that was, you know, we, like our, also our guiding principle was it shouldn't need like a, a training guide or manual. It, it should be intuitive enough to say, go and get from A and get to D, you know, yeah. and. And flesh out any kind of issues there so things like pre-populating you know typing in loan amounts you know having some of those commas or formatting you know to make it a bit more readable so those are the things where we're in the trenches on rather than things like does it write back to dynamics or dataverse those things were kind of like non-events it was more about the that user experience and yeah we spent a lot of time there too
0: so how do you balance that between a requirement that the customer thinks is absolutely necessary and that you know is going to result in a lot of customization. How do you prevent your applications from being over-engineered? They meet the customer's specific and complex requirements, but somebody's going to have a hell of a time supporting and maintaining it. How do you make those trade-offs in your projects?
1: In um, my mind, it's kind of we play it back and say this isn't configuration, this is now customization, and this is you know a little bit more effort here, but this out is out of the box. You know, you explain those key components, and essentially too, we kind of negotiate. We'll say, look, if this comes up, we'll we'll do it. Let's put it on the backlog or we'll put it as phase two. And then it it never really comes up because it's not as uh, a bigger issue as we suspect. But then sometimes where, if it does occur, where it's actually, it is needed. We then just make that awareness and we kind of document it too for, in terms of some of the, almost like the handover kind of guides and just add, add it in there, but Again, because obviously portals itself, it's a completely different, like it's built on, you know, dynamics or dataverse, but it's also quite a different animal in itself, you know, how things work with those lists and all those views and baking in the integration. Cause sometimes too, we had some BAs and who were more like working on the portal front end or like trying to navigate and not really understanding how it ties to dynamics and like, I want to click on this thing and not show me blank contacts I'm like, well, that's because the data behind the scenes is it's bad or it's looking at the particular filter or query and so that level of understanding too because what i'm finding interesting currently is um a lot of our customers it's it's a bit of a no all of them it's a hybrid model in terms of how we engage it's never just you guys run the whole project completely there's an element of there may have a PM there and we fold into that team where maybe 50-50 in terms of the the core project team. But yeah, I'm not finding, I don't know, maybe it's just us, but like where we're doing the full kind of, like, yeah, take complete ownership. A lot of customers also wanting to have that internal IP and capabilities, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that approach. I love to see my customers invest in their people too, training them in Dynamics 365 or Power Apps. And I love working alongside them providing them with our knowledge and experience. I don't want to be there forever. I'm a consultant. I want to get on to the next project. So I just want to leave behind a system that's great, well-supported, and can be enhanced by my customer. I don't want to sit on a support call day after day trying to teach somebody how to fix it. So I think those blended or hybrid teams are a great approach. I do think some Microsoft customers, and a lot of Microsoft partners, seem to struggle with it. They would prefer a nice, clean project where, the partners team is entirely in control and that they can manage the scope and the budget much easier that way. If there are new people with no previous experience that you have to train while you build, then that can make your schedule more unpredictable, I guess. Do you prefer one approach over the other, or do you find some customers prefer one approach?
1: Well, I prefer the blended approach too, to be honest, I like to those um, points you you mentioned. And Ownership—they can take on ownership too of the the solutions, but yeah, it, it's it makes sense as a customer too. I'd be always almost recommending that they have that investment because otherwise you'll have a complete dependency on on, on a partner and and you don't always want to be there to flicking tickets down the track too. But there there is a balance where obviously as consultants and as partners we know newer things or what they should be looking out for, which customers can't really stay on top of. But Again, that's more in an advisory kind of role and, hey, we should be thinking about this rather than, you know, I I can't log in or, you know, this user doesn't have a security role Let me, you know, help you with that.
0: Thinking about that portals project that you just described, have you seen demand coming from your customers for classic Dynamics 365 apps, power portals, power apps, maybe Canvas or model-driven apps? Is there a particular trend or something that everybody's crying out for at the moment? Or is it still pretty steady across all those different parts of our portfolio
1: what i'm noticing a lot of now is definitely marketing even if you're just purely on power apps only or or with the first party apps marketing is coming as a we need this and more recently too like these first party apps and you know Sales is getting a lot of kind of traction with all the stuff Microsoft's doing in there around, you know, with their, some of their models and features and capabilities with things like sequences, which are, it's almost like what playbooks used to be. And some of those things where people just want to, I want everything online. It comes in and things get automated, you know, it's flick and sit and forget. But, and then there's that's the one end and then there's the natural end where they're like, Hey, Power apps are now five bucks, you know, each or something like we want to have those things too, where that maturity level isn't quite there yet. So uh, to be honest, those are the three kind of areas where we're seeing a lot of traction is like marketing, sales, and also just, just power
0: apps. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that a lot. I haven't done a marketing project yet, but I see lots of my friends are busy deploying Dynamics 365 marketing and Click Dimensions I'm still doing a lot of customer service work in financial services and currently working on one in a government client, building a lot of custom applications on Power Apps as well. I haven't done a lot with Canvas apps yet, I have to admit, but there seems to be a lot of people doing doing that. I noticed when I got my immunizations recently, my vaccine, all of the scheduling was done on a Power Portal and then all of the administration in the clinic was all done in Power Apps. I could see the nursing staff were using Power Apps, so that was, that was great to see. Microsoft seems to be firing on all cylinders right now. It's it's right across the board.
1: Yeah, and it's even yeah across obviously all of Australia, like the the supply of work is just steadying on. I thought things would taper off a little bit, but even I think internally Microsoft are struggling with having their own internal capabilities. So they're trying to ramp up to and get people up to speed internally to these solutions. So yeah, it's a thankful, it's a good space to, to be in and yeah, we'll see how it goes, I guess.
0: So what's your plan for growing your team, Bruce? You know, there's only a limited supply of people with a couple of years' experience. Have you started hiring trainees or apprentices yet? Have you got to that stage?
1: Yes, we worked with Microsoft and a local education company called MEGT. They did this apprenticeship program where we hired a couple of their grads and they're with us four days a week. And one day they go back to TAFE and uni. So it's a two-year program with the idea that they finish their cert level four after two years, and then you can de- you know decide to bring them on board full-time or not. And it makes sense, right? They they know that once you've spent and invested time with people for two years, you're more likely than not to say, yes, please come on board full-time instead of trying to find someone else. And yeah, it is that is a, an approach we're, we're, we're looking into, right? Because it's the same pool of people, especially too with all the restrictions currently right now. It was different when Sydney was open uh, and still finding customers still really appreciate people coming, not on site permanently, but having to check in, you know, come for a coffee or let's have a boardroom and then go do your your, your work remotely per se, but, and then so because everyone was also talking about ideas about, you know, it can be completely remote, right? But it's also a bit different trying to have someone who's based in Perth or Adelaide engaging completely with customers in Sydney or Melbourne right now, obviously that's all fine because we're in lockdown and everything's totally remote. But in terms of access to different pools, everyone knows my kind of network, I know the same kind of people and the same kind of people are all inspiring up. And so everyone's kind of just fighting in that same space. So it's kind of like we need to be a bit more creative and invest in other areas. Right.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in the training program. I think it's a fantastic way of bringing new talent into our community. And I'm trying to get Microsoft here in Queensland. I'm working with a recruiter who works for a big global HR firm. He's got a bunch of Microsoft customers and partners who between them have probably got 20 vacancies that we could staff with trainees. I just need to get Microsoft here to help me, you know, get the program launched in Brisbane. So I might need to tap you up for some introductions to the folks who run that training program.
1: Yeah, I think they would love that. Yeah, if you can get those kind of numbers in, <laughs> i sure they'll be happy to help.
0: Yeah, well, we could use hundreds, well, 20 is just a small start, but you know, let's start there. If I could do that. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And it, it's an interesting approach. Well, there's two parts to it I see. One is obviously the technical capabilities, but that's a lot of focus to is on low code, no code, right? But I'm interested in your thoughts here too, is around the even the programs or the skill sets around things like being a good consultant. Like, is that to get people from a different line of business, not necessarily IT, to get someone from who's coming from business or some other kind of line of work, and then teach them the low code stuff? Because that's relatively, I won't say easy, but you know that you can teach. But core analytical skills or consultancy skills, right? Those customer-facing skills, that's totally different. And stereotypically, people, let's say, who are on hardcore coding don't necessarily want to do those types of, that type of function.
0: Right. I think you're right. I think it's a blend of the, the Microsoft certifications to give you some of those technical skills. And some people might come from a computer science background as well, be a bit more technical than that. But we also need to provide them with business analysis skills, project management skills, change management skills, how to be a great consultant, how to ask great questions, lead a room, facilitate a workshop, how to document things. So so some technical documentation skills, how to draw models and illustrations. There's a lot more to it than just, you know, getting your PL 900 power platform fundamentals certification. I think it probably does take a couple of years to be a good associate consultant, but it's, you know, I think it's a worthwhile investment.
1: Yeah, that is true. Yeah.
0: So what's next for you, Bruce? You're busy with the fast track solution architecture work. You've got your MVP activity going on as well, a business to run and grow, a family to look after and grow as well. Any conferences or user groups or you know movie deals, new albums or books coming out?
1: No, the, the my hands are pretty full at the moment, Neil. Um, only thing I can, I'm possibly looking forward to is a bit of travel next year, and I don't know is there anything happening with MVP Summit? Is it? Are they going to? venture on and open that up for...
0: Oh, I think I think there's a good chance. I'd say, well, maybe 50-50 at best. I'm more sceptical that we'll be allowed to leave Australia and get back in.
1: Yeah, that is true. But yeah, I think it's all just for me, just buckling down for the rest of the year. It's geez, only four months to go until... Four months till Christmas. And yeah, just writing this all out and consolidate and then yeah, stretch out again next year.
0: So if people want to find out more about you, Bruce, and your work, where can they follow you? Where's the best place to reach you?
1: Probably LinkedIn. So that's just Bruce Setole, my full name, and I think that's the slug. I'm not as active as I used to be on uh, Twitter. So yeah, follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn, and it yeah, will go from there.
0: All right, Bruce. Well, thanks so much for spending some time with us on amazing applications. It's great to get your insight into what it takes to build an amazing application and all the other stuff we discussed around trainees and the fast track program. Thanks so much. Really appreciate your time, Bruce.
1: My pleasure, Neil. When time went by quickly.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Amazing Apps podcast. You can join the show's mailing list at amazingapps.show. You'll get a personalized welcome video from yours truly and a notification when there's a new episode available. There are also shortcuts so you can follow the show on all major podcast players. And you can follow Amazing Apps show on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. You can send me a message or a voicemail if you'd like your question answered on a future episode and even support the show through Buy Me A Coffee or by buying an Amazing Apps t-shirt. Visit amazingapps.show Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, take care and keep sprinting.